0: I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. For over 50 years, the La Cienega Design Quarter has been a design destination serving LA's vibrant and extremely talented design community. This design district is special for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the mere fact that it is on not one, but three of the most high profile and iconic thoroughfares in West Hollywood, La Cienega, Melrose, and Melrose Place. The the district has seen Los Angeles change from a trendy studio town to a global creative powerhouse. It's no secret that I think LA is one of the most relevant and important creative cities in not just the country, but the world. I think the amount and level of creative contribution in multiple disciplines makes LA a vanguard and a creative icon. That doesn't happen because of a picture, a single building or a landmark. It happens over time and it develops because of the people, the creatives. And for decades, creative types have been drawn to Southern California to reinvent themselves. And and there's always been communities of like-minded individuals to both receive them and nurture them. The La Cienega Design Quarter is is one of the most influential and the annual Legends event is a beautiful example of this. For the past decade, LCDQ has been welcoming the design community and enthusiasts alike to get out of their cars and walk the district to see the amazing and wonderful creations erected in the showroom windows. This was the first year that Convo by Design was represented as an official media sponsor of legends. I cannot tell you how cool this is for me, and I wanted to do something special to capture this showcase of remarkable talent. This is a special series called Legendary Conversations, featuring the very designers and decorators responsible for transforming these showroom windows into extraordinary spaces. I also wanted to bring you some of the panels and keynote conversations that helped make this year's event so special. This episode of Legendary Conversations is presented by Cambria Surfaces, who pride themselves on being the leading, family-owned, American-made producer of natural stone surfaces. It's a rare combination in an increasingly globalized market. They believe that for you, their customer, it means a top-quality, handcrafted product, one you can be proud to incorporate in any design you can create. This Legendary Conversation episode features Tom Stringer, Petty Lau, Dan Mazzarini, Legaspi Courts, and Alex Papachristidis. Tom Stringer's philosophy about design is based in the joy of discovery and the pursuit of a well-lived life. Isn't that what design should be? He creates glamour through meticulous, planned blending with enthusiasm for his work. You can find his work from Chicago and Telluride to Santa Barbara and here on the virtual La Cienega Boulevard. His window has been disassembled in the real world, but not here. Listen to Tom explain his legends experience and the design he created. Make sure to hop over to the Convo by Design YouTube channel and see him and his creation. This is Tom Stringer.
1: I'll just tell you somebody else's name. Right. I'm John Smith, and I'm from Omaha.
0: (laughs) John Smith from Omaha. Yeah.
1: I'm Tom Stringer, and our firm is Tom Stringer Design Partners. And where are we today? What's the showroom? We're at the Harbinger showroom, Harbinger and Harbinger by hand.
0: What does LCDQ uh, Legends mean to you and to the design community? So Legends is a great um, get-together
1: uh, for the design community. It's all about sharing ideas and, um, and ultimately uh, celebrating, celebrating our industry. But um, I think it's a really important opportunity for us to share ideas.
0: Tell me about the icon you selected.
1: So I'm, I am channeling Billy Baldwin. He is, um, he's a favorite from my childhood, frankly. Uh, I think the first design book I ever received as a gift was a, a book on Billy Baldwin. And um, I really chose him because he, he represents kind of the values that I put forward uh, into my work. Um, I think his work is simple, it's restrained, it's iconic, and he certainly had um, a legendary career. So it's worth celebrating.
0: Why do you think his work is so special? What makes it iconic?
1: Well, um, one, he had iconic clients. I mean, you, you, know, you can't get more iconic than, than Jack Winona Assis, um and Pauline de Rothschild. So, um, but his work, I think, was really iconic in that he, um, he was a master editor. Um, I think uh, you know, that, that half of design is, is editing and restraint. Um, but I, I, I also value him and think he was iconic because of the way that he, um, he developed interiors that really reflected the life of his clients. And he was fearless about incorporating pieces of their life into it. And that to me is the thing that, that makes interiors real. It makes a house a home. And um, it, it, to me that makes him immensely important.
0: So, that being said, how did you channel him into your window?
1: Well, I think that, for me, the important thing was to channel him, not, like, replicate him. So we didn't really use any of the directly iconic Billy Baldwin pieces, some of which are still in production. Um, Not that they're not valid, but that I wanted to, to... Work like him, not as him, and so we used um, a variety of things, some precious, some imprecious, actually borrowed some materials from other contemporaries, like Billy Haynes in the work because well billy haynes' is, and billy haynes 's work is actually more more prevalent in Los Angeles than billy baldwin 's old pieces might be. But it really was about using saturated color and a combination of materials that are um, masculine contrasting masculine and feminine and then contrasting um, precious and, and, and imprecious. we filled the ceiling of the room with about 110 um, three dollar Chinese lanterns That to me seems like seems like a trick that Billy would be okay with.
0: So, that being said, what products did you spec for the window?
1: So, we borrowed heavily from the local LCDQ resources. Um, Dragonette had a good cache of, of furnishings that I covet anyways, and I'm glad to kind of, like, temporarily own vicariously. The background of the room is by Robert Crowder. It's a digitally printed wallpaper that I had them adapt from its original colorway into this kind of saturated, kind of tortoisey brown that felt authentically Billy Baldwin to me. Um, And then we had great LCDQ vendors that helped us out, letting us beg, borrow, and steal. Um, So Dragonette was fantastic. They provided maybe half of the furniture in the room. Um, And uh, Marita was great in producing one of their new sisal rugs for us that felt to me like the kind of neutral background that Billy would appreciate. Um, and Lee Stanton, it was a great resource for a lot of the accessories. Um, and a few other pieces came from cachet. Uh, some of the mid-century, the uh, lamp in the room, and a few of the other um, kind of iconic accessories. So it was re- actually really easy and quick to put together because everyone was so
0: willing to participate. Petit Lau is a bi-coastal interior designer with international influence. She's been featured in Arc Digest, Wall Street Journal, among others. She has developed a style she calls Freak. I would almost call this an alter ego. Petit blends old world charm and new world luxury, the way some apply a high-low mix. This is designer Petit Lau.
2: Hi, my name is Pate Lau, and my firm is Pate Lau Inc. Today, we are here at Harbinger. It's one of my favorite showrooms here at the uh, La Good Design Quarter. And I shop here a lot, and it's been a fabulous experience.
0: What does is, what is LCDQ and Legends mean to you and to the design community in general?
2: LCDQ has been such an important design week in la and it was one of the times i think a couple years ago i had came i had come here to la before i actually started working in los angeles because i live in i was living in new york i recently moved to la and um it was just an opportunity where you had to meet so many amazing west coast designers and editors from new york it's basically like spring break for designers Everyone comes here. It's such a fun festivity. Everyone gets a chance to mingle and connect and just really build, build this amazing community that we have.
0: I love that. It's like spring break for designers.
2: Totally. It's totally spring break for designers.
0: <laughs> I'm going I'm to use that. Um, so tell me about the the icon that you selected. Who did you select?
2: So my icon is David Hicks, and he was... The first person that I had picked out of the legendary. He is a huge influence in a lot of my work. I think, and I truly believe, um, I have a style called Aristo Freak, and he really is an Aristo Freak. An Aristo Freak to me is someone that has the ability to really, you know, have traditions, but really think outside of the box of the tradition, really break the molds. I think a lot of every good designer will always have um, rooted history in their traditions and patterns. Um, and I think. David Hicks had this incredible mix of just panache. You know, he really designed with um, you know, just such pa- bold patterns and colors. And even today, when you're looking at his work, I think a lot of influences are still being inspired today. He was the king of pattern mixing. And I definitely feel like I use a lot of patterns and colors to tell my story when I design.
0: What do you think it, it is about the work? What made the work so special, so iconic? My work, his work. Oh.
2: What makes David Hicks' work so iconic is that he, I think, as I got to discover a little bit more about him, just beside his actual designs, I learned that he was, a, he was already mixing like high and low at the time he was kind of a scrapper you know he grew up his interest story is so interesting because he kind of grew up as a common person and um was had a very you know was very charming had a lot of taste was very intelligent and then of course he fell in love with uh, lady mountbatten which is dickie mountbatten uh prince charles's godfather i believe um was you know was a royalty and basically married into that family and obviously he was already quite an influential designer at the time that they had married and but he had the ability and access to have some of the most incredible properties he was you know on a plane with the shake and designing all these incredible spaces but he was always quite scrappy and doing designs with you know he would figure out something and, and just kind of figure like you know do a a, a detail of like a a trim and, you know, like that could be $5 or five pounds or whatever it was. And then he would apply it. But it was, it was his aesthetic and how he looked at design, which was really important. And I think design is very much about a style. You know, everyone has a very particular taste or techniques, but I think he just had this like panache of just understanding and he was bold and he was, you know, he had a very interesting point of view. Um, And I think that many people still really look up to him as a legendary designer
0: so how did knowing that that's how he worked and knowing that he was the icon you selected to to m- make this window special and unique how did you channel him in your in your work
2: that's a really great question because when I was asked to do legends I was so thrilled because you know it's been such an influential uh, part of my design um, you know, a community being, you know, especially since I just moved to L.A. and I was like, this is my L.A. debut. And um, so I was really honored to be a part of it. And secondly, I was really nervous because everyone is judging you, obviously. And I was like, what do I do? And, you know, I didn't want to necessarily like design a space that looked or was like mimicking him. So I had to really think about what I was doing. How do I interpret David Hicks into the work that I do? But that still very much has my aesthetic, that still has very much his traditions and his ideas. So I really Played on with the pattern mix. The wallpaper is actually my own Aristo Freak wallpaper that I created, which is a African mud cloth inspired fabric that I had found, and then I channeled it with different colors. I've done different colorways, and I scaled it to make it the right size, and I printed on paper weave. So I really wanted to start with the wallpaper, and then of course I used Murph Studios to do the caning on the floor with a lot of pattern. And sometimes it was kind of challenging because I was nervous that maybe you know the pattern mixing was the scale you know scale is so important and I thought maybe it wasn't enough but so far everything is turning out really well
0: and it looks amazing it looks so cool
2: thank you
0: um it's funny too because on the quarter I've been running around you've been running around I just saw you over at Dragonette yeah. which is really fun so talk to me about the products you spec and and where you got where you, where you pulled all this together from?
2: So I had my wallpaper, obviously, which is what I started with. And then Murph Studios is a company that I've been wanting to work with for a while. They do amazing digitally printed um, wood tiles and they can be any kind of crazy fun pattern. And I found this awesome black caning, black and white caning, pattern which i thought it's kind of very like david hicksy's kind of like vintagey and it also had this like la vibe so i love the kind of natural the caning and i feel and i'm kind of an obsessed with cane at the moment um so i re- implemented that i also love to shop a lot of antiques so i really mixed a lot of like 18th century antiques and um mid mid century pieces as well so they're kind of modern and um, Aristocratic, you know, 18th century and like 70s pop—that kind of like mix—and that's very much my style. And of course, using antique rugs from Mark Phillips. Um, John D. Nelson is one of the amazing paintings, and the Rams that I used. Uh, Paul Ferrante is another company that I love, and they have such beautiful stuff. Every time I go in there, I'm always swooning. Um, of course, a lot of Harbinger items, uh, the mirror, are some vintage pieces, and the and the and uh, the commode. Um, And my art, I actually was at the fair in New York, and I bought this amazing Peter Blake art called Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And Peter Blake is an iconic English pop artist that was really famous and did, um, what is his name? He did uh, the Beatles cover, and that's how he became super famous in like the 60s, I believe. And... It was just this awesome woman who was this oh, naked in her tattoo, and it's called "Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll." And I juxtapositioned it with this like beautiful 1930s like aristocratic woman that's just fabulous and bohemian, and you can't you know just love her. And of course, I used a lot of beautiful stuff from Martin Lawrence Ballard, who I also love, and it was this perfect kind of like mid-century pieces that were really that pop. Um, the black and white benches was his. Um, the Corbett light that I used, which is actually called Correas, and Correas is a place that I love in Mexico, and I go there all the time, and it's a very kind of this elitist, but amazing like little like oasis of um, in Mexico. Um, so what a lot of my influence of what I design is also based on worldly, it's very romantic, it's eclectic, and so it's tying all of those different things to tell a story. So I feel like my space is pretty freak and it's very me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a mix of everything. There's like ecot patterns and bouquet sheeps and stuff from England and stuff from um, all over in Marrakesh. And so it's just this worldly eclectic mix.
0: I love that. Thank you. Dan Mazzarini, owner and creative director of design firm BHDM Design. Dan is a storyteller through his work. And this window is no different. Dan shares a clear vision for this project and has a keen understanding of the icon he selected and what made his icon so special. This is Dan Mazzarini. Hi, I'm Dan Mazzarini with BHDM Design. So where are, where are we
3: today? We are coming to you today from the Arteria showroom in uh, sunny California.
0: So now this is your first... Uh, Legends event, what does LCDQ Legends mean to you and to the design community as a whole? Sure,
3: I think Legends is a great opportunity for the design community to come together and really celebrate each other. Um, it's, it's an awesome place where you're getting designers, not just from LA, but all over the country and world, really, to participate in this. And this year's fun because it's a celebration of designers by designers. So a really special tribute to the people who have paved the way for us and um, for us to sort of uh, honor them in a, in a really kind of awesome way. And along those lines, who's the icon you selected? Our icon for our window is Cedric Gibbons and he is a um, what we hope will be even better known set designer from the heyday of Hollywood. So since our offices are in both New York and California we really wanted to spread the message that um, we love we love California and we love Hollywood and sort of the glamour that is um, all of movie making. And so for us it's been a really fun tribute to learn about his set design and he won 11 Academy Awards, um, nominated for 39, hashtag same, uh, but it's been a really Really fun exercise to look at his influence, specifically on deco uh, style. And Arteriors, whose window we're designing, has been a great partner um, and reflection of his
0: design. So, what is it? What do you think it is specifically that that made the work so special? That make that made it so iconic? I think Gibbons' work really harkened to. Uh,
3: attention to detail it was certainly geometric it was high contrast and very graphic and bold and really walked the line between masculine and feminine Um, all of that I think as it relates to Hollywood glamour it was it was glitzy but it was also aspirational Um, and so for us and using Arterior's beautiful product we are hoping to capture even just a percentage of that to really honor um, what became uh, really iconic not just in movies but in architecture
0: Around the world through sort of his deco influences. Well, side note, wasn't it interesting too, his his approach to design, how it was very much like he would take a residential project and and make it like it was a set for a show? He would, he would, he would design it as if it was for a screen. Yeah, I, I think
3: Gibbon's approach to sort of using residential influences for stage props. Um, was also sort of reversed, right? His own home was very theatrical in a way. And so it's an interesting pairing when you're doing a window for legends. Um, you want to pick somebody, in this case, that sort of represents things that we as designers are interested in and something that will represent the product of the, the showroom that we're designing. So Gibbons for us is theatrical, it's bold, it's graphic, and it's high contrast. That's so much of what we like to um, display in our work, no matter the kind of project. So this is a great pairing for us um, and our tiers product is also a great product to represent sort of the idealized version of some of gibbons
0: uh, i would say influences as well I'm just curious because i think it's so special one of the things that i consider myself really fortunate insofar as the last six years i've had the opportunity to talk to so many set decorators and so many set designers and decorators have been on the show i'm I'm, I'm. I have so much admiration for what they do, and I think it's really interesting that you selected a, a set decorator who's also a designer, because your window. I mean, if you look at this, this is a narrow space. What is this? About four feet?
3: Yeah, four and a half.
0: By mm-hmm. how long? By it's about twenty six feet long. Okay, so, yeah,
3: it's significant. It's a yeah. set. Yeah, it's it a, is. It's a set. It's a vignette, but it's also a set. And yeah. for us, like. I come from a branding and retail background, and it's taken us to all kinds of different design, but the common thread is we like to be storytellers. And set design and window design and interior design, I think at its core, the very best of that tells a story through the spaces we create. So whether it's a window or a pop-up or a hotel or a restaurant, you know, we want somebody to, at a glance, get the message, and then when their foot's in the door, sort of be immersed in whatever the experience is. So I'm not shocked, like, it makes perfect sense to me that we would choose a set designer to try to honor um, because we love the process and we love the storytelling and so it's fun to sort of honor that back and tell the story, almost tell the story of the story that they wanted to tell. And um, what products did you spec? Sure so Artiers has so many beautiful things especially when it comes to sort of light contemporary takes on deco inspiration. So we're using uh, a beautiful desk called the Job Desk. Uh, we're using a bar cabinet that's the McMahon cabinet. Um, we've got a bunch of sort of deco inspired lights and lamps and pieces that we're using. Um, so that, it's almost entirely our teriors, and we're so lucky that their product range is diverse. It's all beautiful. It's this very black and white and gold palette that we're working with. So
0: um,
3: we're really excited to pull it together.
0: Ada Legaspi and Christopher Kortz, co-founders of their eponymous firm, have developed quite a reputation for a style that is in a constant state of change based on the work and environment. Both Chris and Adel have a laid-back style, yet still manage to attack their work. What they did in this window was fun, and I'm excited for you to hear all about it. This is Christopher Kortz and Ada Legaspi from Legaspi Kortz.
4: Legospi Courts design, and you are. I'm Christopher Courts.
5: I'm Ada Legospi.
0: Where are we now? What showroom?
5: Um, we're at the Waterworks showroom on Mallows Place.
0: What does uh, what does LCDQ and Legends mean to you, and what does it mean to the design community?
5: Um, I think you know, Legends for the design community is a very important um, part of being in this industry. Um, you know, I think it represents community really to be part of an esteemed group of people that are really passionate about design and um supporting each other in all our work
4: Well, and just to add to that i mean it's it's also just about a, a celebration of community too, past and current because this especially with this year's themes being based off of I design icons. It's it's nice to not only celebrate you know everybody that's currently in our industry that we're all working together in, but also celebrating the past as well too. And speaking of which, who is the icon you selected?
5: We selected uh, Michael Taylor. Um, so we chose him because he's um, known for the California look. Um, you know, very uh, his designs are very based on organic materials, um, simplicity, but really celebrating, um, natural materials, but in a refined, relaxed way. So we chose him.
0: What is it, what is it about his work that was so special? What, what about the work made it iconic?
5: Well, I think, you know, at that time, if we're talking about the time that he developed that, it was, you know, I believe it was like late sixties, seventies and, at the time, no one was really, you know, utilizing um, raw raw material like raw edge wood, you know, wicker, um, you know, uh, natural, natural like stones, natural rocks, stones. You know. And I feel like that was so revolutionary. I mean, right now, when we talk about that, it's so inherent in how we design in Southern California because that's part of our DNA. So I think that, you know as you know young designers we forget that that look was established way before us and we just you know didn't realize how uh, how revolutionary that was at that time
0: so all that being said how did you channel him into your window
4: well you know of course, doing these windows, it's it's one thing to pay homage to you know, the icon, but then it's also another to uh, put a spin on it and make it represent who we are as designers. And so, you know, again, as Adel was mentioning, we wanted to take a spin off of and pay the homage to the natural materials, the the rattan, the wicker, the, the woods, the, you know, the, the lush landscape. But then in our spin on it, in the Legospi Gort spin, we wanted to, you know, create a bathroom out of it. Mm-hmm. So, because when you look at a lot of Michael Taylor's works, you don't typically see a bathroom. And since we're in the waterworks showroom, why not, you know? why not combine the two and meld them together and create this little, you know, perfect little enclave.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So who did you specify?
5: Well, so we're at Waterworks. So, you know, really also in tying to Michael Taylor's look, we were really inspired by this tub, you know, that we're kind of sitting on. Um, it's a, you know, it's really an iconic, like, uh, take on his, um, and his idea of using sculptural forms. So this tub, you know, so coincidentally is super sculptural and overscaled. And that's also what he's known for, you know, using overscaled sculptural uh, shapes and furniture. So we wanted to uh, utilize uh, that take by using the waterworks tub.
0: Alex Christidis is one of my favorite decorators. He made a point to tell me that He's not a designer, but a decorator. He explains why and how his design philosophy and that of his firm approaches the work with an unapologetic love of maximalism. And I have seen him aggressively defend that stance in front of over a hundred people. Keep checking back for the panel conversation that took place in the Tefankian showroom. Loved it and love this. I think you will too. This is Alex Papakrastidis. And again, if you want to see his window, it's, it's been disassembled on La Cienega, but it's available here on the virtual La Cienega over at the Convo by Design YouTube channel.
6: Uh, Alex Papacristidis, AP Interiors, uh, La Cienega in Los Angeles. And what showroom are we in front of? We're in front of Jonas Upholstery. So you're here
0: for LCDQ and Legends. What... I love asking you this question because you're based in New York. What, is, what does LCDQ mean to you as an individual, as a designer, for someone inside the business? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the community? How do you use it?
6: Well, you know, I adore LA and, 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 and I think LCDQ is such a wonderful event and it brings designers from all over the country to Los Angeles and it's a wonderful opportunity to come and see and shop LA. There are so many wonderful stores, so many great vendors and I think it's just a wonderful excuse to be here. And you know, when you're a decorator and you're busy, it's hard to find the time to go on vacation and do things. So when you have a project or you have a discipline and you need to go and do a window in Los Angeles, you come here and you do it and you get to spend time in Los Angeles. So it's a win-win for me.
0: Is this also a vacation?
6: You know, look, I'm very privileged, everything, my work is my pleasure, so it's always a bit of vacation for me and I go to amazing places and I work with wonderful people. So I'm lucky to love what I do and I always have a good time wherever I am and I make it fun for myself, for my clients, for the vendors. Life is short and we should be happy and have fun doing everything we do.
0: So the theme this year for LCDQ was Legends.
6: Who's the legend you selected? Jeffrey Benison. And he has always been sort of a wonderful decorator to me because, first of all, I've always loved his fabrics, and my first apartment, I used his fabrics all over my living room. Actually, not my first apartment, but my my second apartment. It was My first apartment was out of college. My second apartment was, was all in Benison fabrics, my living room. And I've always loved his work, and he and I have, I think, there's a lot of overlap. We love sort of lush interiors that are very rich and opulent. And he also has the same love for animals that I have. In his interiors, he puts sort of, you know, there's always a camel or a monkey or something wonderful. And I love animals and I love bringing nature in from the outside, sort of organic elements that are decorative. And I've always loved what he does. So when I was given the opportunity to choose, I chose Jeffrey Benison because I've always felt that Jeffrey Benison and I have a wonderful... You know, I, I love his sensibility and his style, and we have a great rapport. And so he felt appropriate for me.
0: So, knowing that, and it seems so personal for you, so how did you channel him and his work into a window?
6: Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I love the history of decorating, and I've always sort of look to the great decorators for inspiration. And I'm quite familiar with his style and his interiors through a multitude of books, through history. And I started obviously with using venison fabric because I thought that was the perfect way to bring me into the right direction.
0: Was it a challenge for you considering it's such a small place and, and, you know, As skilled as you are, it's part of what you do. You have to work with the spaces that you're given. Was it a challenge? And how did knowing that the answer is probably well of course everything's a challenge, but how did you address it?
6: Well, it's always a challenge, of course, you know. And you know, having a client, not having a client, sometimes it's a bigger challenge to actually not have a client because it's all about yourself and then sometimes it works out beautifully. But I think I, 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 I wanted to make it my own because I used a Benison fabric, but I cut it off. So the fabric behind us has a stripe on it that I removed. And it's, it's something that I've always done, and I learned that sort of through the history of decorating and the great European decorators. have always cut borders and pasted fabrics together and reseamed them and made them their own. So I started with that. And then, you know, I loved the idea of the blue and the black and the gold. And I found the chinoiserie desk. And you know, I wanted the, the the Oriental carpet and the gilded chair, and then the lamp is Christopher Spitzmiller, which I make. It's the Alex lamp for Christopher. He makes for me. It's the Christopher Spitzmiller lamp for Alex, and it's my shape. So again, it it brings in something of me, and you know, it's it's all the kind of whimsy and the things that I love brought together. I love French furniture. I love chinoiserie. I love gilding. I love prints. I love layering. You know, I made the blotter, I made the tissue necessary for the room. I flew over the little wicker wastebasket because, again, there's that kind of very sort of natural and high and low. And that's what I think is so divine. You know, the use of a little wicker basket under an 18th century chinoiserie desk.
0: So, you know, what's interesting to me is as you're talking, I'm just thinking, you know what? This wasn't really knowing what how you approach this. This wasn't a, it wasn't a challenge for you at all. You actually got to do everything that you wanted to do because you knew what you wanted to do coming into this.
6: Well, look, I think it was a little bit of a challenge because I didn't actually see the physical space in person and I didn't see the pieces of furniture in person. So that was a tiny bit of a challenge for me. I, I'm not so much of an online shopper, so I usually, I'm a very visual, hands-on person. So that was challenging for me to not see the pieces in person. But it happened to work out, you know, as I, as, when I came here the first day and saw the room, the window, and I, I, the girl in my office, Lena, who arranged it for me, I right away texted her and said, everything I wanted it to be, and I'm so happy with it. So it just worked out. I was very lucky. It's beautiful. Thank a- you.
0: And I think I think luck had very little to do with it. I'm sorry? I think, I think luck had very little to do with it.
6: Well, I actually don't think that's... I think I have been very lucky my whole life. I think there are plenty of talented people who, you know, are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think I've been very lucky because it seems that I've been in the right place a lot of times. So I really feel blessed and privileged for all my good fortune and thankful.
0: Going around the room, Who did you specify?
6: Who did I specify? You mean, what? who did I use? Uh,
0: All the products and materials.
6: Okay, so Christopher Smith-Miller did the lamp. Uh, One King's Lane gave me the shade. My upholster in New York made me the blotter out of Benison fabrics and Venetian paper. The desk is is, um, John Nelson. The uh, chair is from Jonas, and they upholstered it for me. The curtains in the background were made by Jonas. And you'll see the stripe on the back of the chair is the border from the fabric that we cut out and used. Um, The the, Antonio Bellacasa has the beautiful little marble Roman seal of Caesar on the desk. Um, The bench and the bust... The desk, the camel, and the Roman bust are all from John Nelson. And the, uh, the stool is from La Maison Francaise. So, and I love the stool because the stool is in Silk Velvet Lamanac Tiger, which is one of my staples that I put pretty much on every project that a client will accept. I either do a pillow or a stool. It's one of my signature things. Silk Velvet Lamanac from Pierre Frey is just my little finishing touch. To most living rooms.
0: And it's beautiful. This window is beautifully done. Thank
6: you. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun doing it and I love the way it turned out so I'm super happy.
0: That's a wrap on this episode of Legendary Conversations. Special thanks to Alex Papakristidis, Ada Legaspi, Christopher Kortz, Dan Mazzarini, Petty Lau, Tom Stringer, Cambria Surfaces for their support, the amazing LCDQ showroom owners and managers and of course the La Cienega Design Quarter. Thanks for listening keep creating.